0: Thanks for listening to the One Voice Podcast. It's a safe place for conversation on relevant topics with real-life stories to encourage and inspire you along life's journey of healing from sexual abuse. I'm Mary O'Brien, and now Nicole Braddock-Bromley.
1: Well, excited to be back with our favorite repeat guest, Mandy Pearson. Woo! Hi, thanks for having me again. Oh, again. again. Again and again, yeah. and we'll keep having you back again and again. We also have some dogs in the room, so sorry for all the dog sounds, but we love our dogs. They're therapeutic. Yes.
0: And I have a Russian tortoise right here behind me.
1: That's
0: right. But this time of Lots year, of sounds. hibernating for days and days. I'm like, is he dead? What are we doing? So we're fine.
1: oh' <laughs> That's probably normal for a tortoise, right?
0: It is. I've done lots of research. It's good. Okay. Yeah, it's cold out. He gets it. Okay, so. mm. I'm jealous
2: a little bit of the turtle.
1: Oh, <laughs> right. That's yeah, cute. All right. Well, anyways, <laughs> let's get back to things. Um, yeah, I just wanted to have Mandy on, as many of you know, Mandy is. Um, a co-leader for our Unleashed Survivor cohorts and does an amazing job, is very loved by all of the survivors. And one topic that I noticed that kept coming up over and over in our groups was sort of the pain, the struggle, the confusion, sometimes the feelings of betrayal that come from non-offending adults in our story whether that be a non-offending parent, you know, or just another loved one or family friend or whoever it is in our story that's like, it just seems like, and Mary, you probably recognize this too in our groups, how oftentimes, you know, we're talking about the the trauma and there's so much focus placed on, you know, the abuser and what the abuser has done. Mm -hmm. But then it's like, once we really get into community of survivors, we start to really impact things weekly. We're talking about our stories. We're hearing other stories. It's like, we really get down to the nitty gritty and start realizing, wow, like I have a lot of stuff of junk that I need to talk about that has nothing to do with the abuse or the abuser. I mean, it's related to the abuse, but it's, you know, it's the, the parent that didn't respond well. It's the, the aunt that blamed me, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's the grandmother who said, Well, we all go through that. Or, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's the ones that say, you know, let's not talk about this, or yeah, uh, you know, it's just like all those things we could go on and on. But so Mandy, I just kind of wanted to pick your brain a little bit today about that. And, you know, have you found that even as a therapist in your practice where you know, there's, there is a lot of attention right away on the abuser, but no one's talking about the rest of the story. And then that seems to be what comes up later. Mm -hmm. Even in my life, I've noticed that, you know, like I didn't think that it was appropriate to be talking about the other people that didn't Mm -hmm. abuse me, but yet I did have a lot of pain and wounding from those people. Yeah, that's right. Um, So I noticed
2: as well in Unleash how often like really are our conversation is so much about the response of other people mm. versus what actually like the event that might have brought someone to that space. Yeah. Um, and I find that the same is true in therapy. Um, you know, I, I tell my clients a lot of times as they process through their trauma, that for most people, the event itself or the events or the, you know, however you might categorize their trauma is about 10 or so percent of what they talk about and the rest of it is how was I taken care of how did people respond was I believed you know mm-hmm. all of those kinds of things mm-hmm. um, because there are all of these trusting loving people who didn't respond well and we tend to kind of internalize that mm-hmm. um, and make it more of our responsibility if we're the survivor in that case Um, So there's just a lot to unpack with how people respond to hearing that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it seems like a lot of survivors feel a responsibility to make everything better for everyone else. Mm -hmm. And that's a one, one real real big reason why we don't tell. That's Mm -hmm. why we don't disclose is because we know that it's going to shake the system. It's going to ruin things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And is it worth it? You know, I think it's the second week of Unleash where we talk about weighing the cost. What were the costs Mm -hmm. of telling? What were the costs of not telling? Yeah. Yeah. And then I think that carries over later in those relationships of, you know, should I keep talking about this? Is this ruining this person's life? You know, Mm -hmm. is it making it harder on my family to, you know, to keep bringing this back up? Yeah. Yeah. And really that is its own,
2: you know, when we start caring for other people in the midst of our own suffering, that is another trauma response. Mm -hmm. That's how we keep this safe, right? Mm -hmm. So if I am a survivor and I'm telling my, my loved ones, my parents, you know, whoever, and I see their distress that is causing mine to go up, the quickest thing I can do is take care of them. So that I can still feel safe mm-hmm. um, and to not like burden them with what's weighing me down. Right. And it's just so backwards when you think about, uh, you know, it, it would be like going to the doctor and them walking in and saying like, look how sick I am. And you're like, oh, I came to you for help. Yeah. Like, I need you to be okay. Uh-huh. You know, and just the, the turnaround there that you, you don't feel safe to be cared for. Yeah in those moments because they're not able to respond
1: yeah Yeah. which then I think becomes quite a pattern for many of us a dysfunctional one and one where we end up being really resentful towards everyone else because no one thinks we have needs yeah that's right (laughs) yeah what a mess right what a (laughs) yeah 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 that's right and truly if you think about it 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 finds its root in the abuse itself. I mean, for me to be very vulnerable and honest, like in my own abuse, I can remember in my mind as a child thinking that I had control over whether or not I was going to be abused or not, because there were times when I would say, well, I just want to get this over with. Mm -hmm. So it was almost feeling like I'm going to take care of him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how freaking messed up that is. And that also plays into then the effects in adulthood where you feel like, well, if I just take care of everyone else, make sure they're fine, then
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know it'll make my life easier. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you were
2: to trace back so many of those beliefs and actions to even like mentioning I just want to get this over with in the the midst of my abuse. Mm. If you were to like be able to draw a map. Of that, I think every direction brings us to safety—a measure of safety yeah. for ourselves. Yeah. But often, I mean, especially for people who are navigating, like telling someone and, and everything like that, it becomes this burdensome thing that's like self-contained, right? Mm-hmm. That I have a lot of needs that I'm not able to meet, but I'm going to do it in this kind of scrappy way, mm-hmm. so that I'm not in more danger by going out and telling
1: people or bringing other people into it. hmm hmm Wow. I even had read um, a study recently that was done that talked about how often the parents of an abused child were abused themselves. Mm-hmm. It was a study done in 2013 and it it said that 50%, about 50% of sexually abused children's mothers have themselves experienced sexual abuse in childhood, which really Mm -hmm. made me think, gosh, you know, how often even the generation before us were silenced. They didn't talk about it. So therefore they weren't doing their work. They Mm -hmm. weren't working through their stuff. And then they're carrying those wounds in. So then when their child discloses, It not only is like, okay, I need to figure out what to do for him or her, but also now all of a sudden it's bubbling all of my trauma to the surface that I have not dealt with. Yeah. So you're talking half of the parents of half Mm -hmm. of the children who've been abused have a parent, a mother specifically who Mm -hmm. had. So just thinking about, gosh, the the importance too, of having a non-offending parent doing their work before having kids. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Because they're bringing all that in and a child who's been abused discloses. And now I have to feel like, Oh my gosh, it brought up my mom's stuff. Mm -hmm. Now I've got to make her feel better about her stuff. And I just told. Right. Right. And Mm -hmm. it's so backwards, right? Like we, when we're in the
2: midst of our own crisis to stop and then respond to someone else's needs, Mm -hmm. it's just sending such a deep message that's going to carry through that, like how I'm cared for is second rate to making sure everyone else is cared for again, for my own safety. Mm -hmm. It's so like, I need to feel safe in knowing that my parents are okay. Yeah, Right. Cause they're, and we're just, that's just talking about Mm -hmm. like the parent child relationship, but there are so many others that, you know, I can't be in the midst of my own really scary, frightening, uh, crisis Mm -hmm. and have my support system melting around me because it's overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Like that's another scary thing, you know, the aftermath of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nothing says shut up or hush more than that. Yeah. Like thinking that if I continue to have needs Mm -hmm. in this area or want to be able to talk to my family about it, that it's going to cause them to be melting or Mm -hmm. dissolving. Yeah.
0: Yeah. um, to add to that, I remember talking to my counselor recently about not even my abuse specifically, but just having needs in general, which I'm sure is somehow tied into my abuse and not having needs met back then. And now trying to be an adult and speak up. Mm -hmm. But I remember telling my counselor, I just felt so guarded and don't have any needs and blah, blah, blah. When. She said, You have to give your parents a chance. You kind of like throw them a lob and see how they respond if they can meet those needs in the moment. And I would kind of tone it down a little bit with what need it was and not too raw or deep to then risk getting hurt, but just giving them a chance to succeed or fail, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think
1: it does. I think that's wise and it's a good you know, it's like a tiptoeing out and, and seeing Mm -hmm. can, can they meet me at this small space? Mm -hmm. And if they can, maybe I can try a little bit bigger step next time and see what they're capable of. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And to add another layer to the whole being a parent and child, I look at my situation and that's actually what kept me from having a kid for so long because I could not imagine even looking at raising a child and the fear and anxiety it was going to put into me after what I went through. And then Mm -hmm. out of nowhere we ended up fostering, which I felt like for me specifically, God said, watch, you can do it. And we did it. And we fostered a little boy and then years later had our own son biologically. So I don't that Mm -hmm. whole thing is just interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, the fear that put in me about having my own kid. um, Mm -hmm. I just couldn't get over the hump. But eventually it just happened. So,
2: yeah, that's a good point. And just noticing like that whole process that was going on in your mind, even though you're this like empathetic, loving, kind human being, and still how like someone responded to you or how you've seen them respond to other survivors and kids, like gives you pause to think, can I do this thing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to add to that because I feel like my client's ears would perk up right now because there are times that we throw that lab and find out that they can't do it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I want to just kind of add a little side note to that, that Mm. if the people you, you typically go to are not able to do it, keep your eyes and ears open for the ones who can, because Mm -hmm. there are, whether it's a peer or someone a little, you know, a little older than you or something like that, there are certainly people that we can Mm relate people in our lives and relationships we can cultivate who can respond with a nurturing, loving, you know, response or answer. And that feels like what we needed. Yeah. What we need. If they can't, yeah. don't spend all of the energy either continuing or like becoming self-contained and thinking no one can respond to me because mm-hmm. that's just not that's
0: mm-hmm. just not the case yeah okay. i think it is really hard though and devastating when <laughs> no one else can replace the mom and dad role and it's extra devastation when they your parent who brought you into this world are not able to respond the way you need. But as I've learned with my counselor, there has to be a place of acceptance that right. I, I can't stay in this victim role constantly. And, Why can't they do this? Why can't they do that? At some point I have to say, Oh, this is how it's going to be. I have to accept it. And like you said, those other people can fill those roles on some level. And I remember Mandy during one of our unleashed groups, you said for people who lack in the mother area, to find that woman who fills that role, not that they're replacing your mom, but that they can kind of soothe your heart a little bit in that nurturing way of maybe something you're lacking. So that is really encouraging, I think, for a lot of survivors that even though this person may have let you down, there's someone else who can touch your heart in the way that they failed.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think it's also a nod back to our last podcast, Mary, of just reparenting ourselves too, because Sometimes we can go searching for this new mom and truly what we need is just to mother ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. To come home to ourselves. And I think a lot of times when we're on that search, um, it's the little one inside of us Mm -hmm. that just needs to have a place to call home. Mm -hmm. It's you're, you're, we're longing for this you know, we just want to curl up and, and be safe and be told all these things that we deserved long ago. And truly like that person isn't doing it for us. And we will be on this constant search for someone else. But if mm-hmm. like, we can just tell ourselves that if we yeah. can tell our younger versions, like you're safe here and I'm listening and um, welcome. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there's a lot of healing that can be done simply within our own self. Again, of what we talked about with Rachel, Dr. Croto and last podcast of grafting in all of those younger versions, Mm -hmm. welcoming them in. And I have seen it time and time again in my own life and the life of other survivors where Mm -hmm that actually was the fix that was where the biggest healing came versus being on this long hunt for the this person this actual human but within you oh yeah you can do it yourself
2: yeah i i can't tell you how many times i notice a response from a client or someone in unleash who is demonstrating this like safety and empathy and to be able to say to them like you are who you needed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which when I think of that in my brain, like my I think my heart swells thinking mm-hmm. about that because it's like, not only are you this compassionate, empathetic, home base of a human being, but you did that in spite of everything that you went through. Yeah. Like this didn't occur like it it had to get through a lot to get to that place and now look at you be this person. Yeah.
1: Be who you needed back
2: then. Yeah. And you're right. Like every, all of our child parts, all of the, the younger versions of ourselves, however you want to say that, or notice that um, respond well to that and, and kind of can find, I think even delight in being seen and not denied and not pushed down and all of that stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. 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 I think there's a deeper level of peace that comes when you can walk through that mm-hmm. versus looking for a person. Always there's a dependency that creates there and it can sometimes feel a little bit not peaceful. I mean, mm-hmm. not, I wouldn't go as far as say dysfunctional, but it's just less peace versus finding that within yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I tell people
2: a lot to notice the mom energy or notice parents energy, um, and which might sound a little like, I don't know, hippy dippy or whatever. Yeah, woo, yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I think about, you know, getting out and and just having a normal day and running errands and someone who tells you like to have a good day or they smile at you and have sincerity about that or um a friend you haven't heard from for a while who checks in on you like mm-hmm. and and maybe you know maybe you can have a relationship with someone but maybe it's smaller bits and pieces that come in that are like oh i i receive that nurturing from many places yeah. and not you know if it's not where i needed it from it's still possible for me to have yeah yeah
1: yeah, yeah, that is that is a special thing to mm-hmm. be able to even notice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and to accept into your life. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, thinking about the non-offending parent also from their perspective. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking about a disclosure from your child, or it might not be a parent, just a uh, you know other people in the mm-hmm. circle. It does have such a substantial effect on everybody mm-hmm, right and mm-hmm. it, it affects you know how it, it it changes the whole course of the journey ahead for mm-hmm. your family for your relationship mm-hmm. and just the importance of the non-offending parent even getting their own help that's right I think that's a really important part not only for them but for the child for the child's adjustment for mm-hmm. the family's long-term health for everybody to be yeah yeah getting that help and I guess you know, if you had any thoughts on that as far as speaking to the listener who's mm-hmm. walking with someone that they love, like the importance of that and why, and what are maybe some signs that you've ever seen as far as like I don't know, where I maybe I need to get some help here mm-hmm. or yeah, tools, I, you know. Yeah, I think
2: that if your child or someone um who you care for often regularly you know is disclosing their abuse let's just assume like it's a given that you need to go talk to a therapist yourself um or a counselor you know yeah be and who is trauma informed yeah um and you know there are lots of resources for finding that person but it's it's important that the the survivor get their needs met with therapy and other things but we can't as parents like glob on to that and get like kind of steal half the session from the kid. Mm -hmm. Like I tell my clients this hour is basically the hour that is yours to talk about what's going on. And so I'm very protective of that for people um, and want to also say, it's hard to hear that someone that we love so deeply is in this kind of pain has been through this. Um, and oftentimes, you know, I just want to also notice that you might be surprised that this happened and that you had a relationship with the offender and mm-hmm. all of this is really confusing and scary. Mm-hmm. It's time to talk to someone mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah. And have your own process mm-hmm. so that the person you're supporting can have theirs without having to think, I gotta
1: take care of them. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Because as the the victim, you don't want to be the one hearing, oh, you had a really good relationship with my abuser, mm-hmm. and that's hard for you. Like right. I don't want to be hearing that. <laughs> yeah. I know that's important for that to be spoken and mm-hmm. talked about, but I don't want to be hearing that. Right. So yeah, the importance of yeah, having separate therapies um at the same time. Mm-hmm. I do think that is really important.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like having this surge of empathy as we talk about, you know, people having poor responses and all of that. So two things, number one, there is not like a perfect response. There's just not. And odds are that if you have responded to a survivor disclosing, you fumbled over it, right? Like, Mm -hmm. um, so i i would give you know just a little bit of advice in that area and just say if someone discloses to you the only question that we want to ask in the beginning is how can i help you Mm -hmm. what do you feel like you need right now Mm -hmm. you know not why did you fill in the blank Mm -hmm. what what happened you know all of the details like leaving a ton of space for a person letting them know, I want to hear as much as you want to share mm-hmm. um, and giving them a little bit of space and room. Like it takes so much courage, right. Mm-hmm. To, to disclose. Yeah. Um, so if there were a formula, of course we would let you know what that is, but um, <laughs> just being really open and good listeners and practice being a good listener. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, if you are hearing this and feel like, oh, wow, I messed up. Mm-hmm. My response was not okay. It's okay to go back and apologize yeah. and say mm-hmm. I had a lot to learn and that was not your responsibility. I'm really sorry for my initial response and I, I'm going to work on doing better. Mm-hmm. Um, how humbling, right? And yeah. and how that might feel as a survivor to hear that and not have to take care of it, but just say, you know, thanks for saying that. Um, Right. And, and apologizing for, for any missteps you might have made
1: can be so healing for people. I think so too. I think it's something that, you know, it's almost like, you don't want to admit it because what if they didn't really think it was that bad, but Mm -hmm. even still, I think it can really mean a lot to survivor to just know that you're thinking about it and you know, that maybe you did some good things, but maybe there's some things you could have done better and just, like you said the humility in admitting that mm-hmm. and it also it it is a welcome mat mm-hmm. to the survivor to find more safety within you more trust in that relationship and possibly the ability to go back and start over or mm-hmm. to at least begin from here and begin to share what what you need now yeah I think that's a, a great idea. Um I don't think it's done enough and I think mm-hmm. I think it's really good to talk about. And thinking about the survivor in that situation, I mean so often we we don't have it modeled to us of receiving a good apology Mm -hmm. and the humility in that a lot of times i think as survivors we feel alienated we feel isolated we feel ignored Mm -hmm. and our and to have someone come to us and say you know not to put it on us. Like, Hey, do you want to talk about any of this? Because, you know, you didn't really talk about it very much like 10 years ago, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. instead of putting it on you, it's more the of the person coming to you and saying like, I may not have shown up well. And I just wanted you to know if you ever feel like sharing with me again, mm-hmm. I'd like to try again. I just think that, you know, there's so much to say about coming to a survivor and allowing them then the control of how it's going to go forward and to not take it personal if they're not ready.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's right. I think too, like kind of going along with how we respond,
2: um, human beings are little um, information like gatherers, right? I mean, the first sign of trouble and we're Googling or we're on WebMD or whatever, humor, looking forward, right? Like, right.
0: Yes. Oh, right. <laughs> That's, right. I um, mean, hasn't everyone Googled that? <laughs>
2: right. Oh my God. Is this the end? Right. Like <laughs> we, so we, in crisis, we want to gather all the information so that we can know things because we think if we know then we can, you know, respond and whatever. And I would say to you, the details of what happened are less important than sitting and being present for someone. Yes. Like we do not need to know mm-hmm. every detail and pressure someone to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, if, if there's an investigation or something like that, then the people whose job it is to find that out will do so. Mm-hmm. But as a parent, as a friend, as, you know, a support person, we just, mm-hmm. the only details that we need are the ones that they want to offer. That's
1: right. And might I add, even... 20, 40 years later Mm -hmm. in a marriage, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. in an intimate relationship, those details are still not for you. Right. Unless the survivor decides that's important for them.
2: Yeah. It's, I think it's counterintuitive to most of how we problem solve "Mm," is thinking like, if I know everything that happened, I can respond. Yeah. yeah. We just don't need it. And and honestly, there are times that it's not helpful. No. Yeah. Many yeah. times. Yeah. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. Is it inappropriate or rude. It's almost like when you have those conversations with people you feel safe with that you can say, I actually don't need a solution. I just need you to hear me out in these situations as abuse survivors with people, we feel safe with sharing our story. Is it rude or acceptable to say in the beginning, I don't need you to ask questions. I just need to share my story and kind of get it off my chest. I don't think that's rude okay. and I
2: also if I'm being honest Mary I don't care if it is.
0: True. Like See, again I'm trying to take care of the other person <laughs> worrying and- if it's rude and it's not. This is my story and if I trust you you should honor and be grateful and not ask questions and respect my boundaries.
2: Yeah. 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 And it's funny like I and you I mean it's a great point like we are still thinking of someone else. And now, like, so far into this work, I think if I share my story and in that you find me to be rude or displeasing, I don't have time for you. Mm -hmm. I don't, like, that is not because of me. How you receive that and my putting down Mm -hmm. limits and boundaries and telling you what I need, like, I hope you will find your own
1: therapist, right? (laughs) Like, what? (laughs)
2: yeah Yeah. it's
1: true I think though the hard part is for those who've been traumatized and victimized we are so afraid of losing people yeah yeah Mm -hmm. that's right and it's like if I can be what they need for this relationship to survive I will do that and so a lot of times we hold back Mm -hmm. you know from really Mm -hmm. stating but you know as we practice our boundaries and learn Mm -hmm. how to speak up for our needs we learn that the people who we want to stay will stay Mm -hmm. and the people who truly we shouldn't have in our lives those are the ones that can't handle our honesty or our boundaries so in the end it it's worth it I just wanted to remind you that our next Unleash Survivor cohorts begin in January. Registration is open on our website, IamOneVoice.org Unleash. We begin in January. It's an eight-week course with film, journal prompts, and live weekly meetings with other survivors of sexual abuse. It maxes out at eight participants, myself plus other trauma experts, I am onevoice.org slash unleash. It's interesting you were talking about, you know, sharing too much information or being asked mm-hmm. to share too much information. Um I had been reading that one of the parenting, there's three main parenting patterns that can mm-hmm. further traumatize a sexually abused child. And one of them was frightening them, you know, by constantly probing a kid for information. That was one that, you know, after a child has come forward. And I think even later in life, this doesn't have to be in a kid. This could Mm -hmm. be an adult survivor, but a way that parents Mm -hmm. can further bring trauma to that child would be yes, by constantly asking too many questions. And the Mm -hmm. other two were being withdrawn, you know, not being able to meet their needs, ignoring them probably because maybe their own pain is brought up. Mm-hmm. So they're pushing them away because they don't want to be reminded. And the third one was just being overprotective with which I think is a common one for a lot of the survivors that we mm-hmm. kind of hang out with is just being, you know, preoccupied with a thought that it's maybe going to happen to that child again, or, um, yeah, just wanting to fix. So I I, I think those are important things mm-hmm. to maybe even recognize as we're talking about the parents. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times, the non-offending parent. Yeah,
2: it's funny. I I didn't really think about it until you brought that up. That so many of the unleash survivors, mm-hmm. um, have shared like how overprotective their parents are to the point of like not being able to have sort of a normal regular kid life, like going to parties and dances and going on dates and mm-hmm. having the things that we learn from mm-hmm. um, and learn how to be in relationships. Right. And it's like, yeah. And then do we learn to be really afraid mm-hmm. of the world mm-hmm. and do we not mature into it? Right. Like, Because if if I'm 12 years old and I'm not allowed to date until I go to college, those are going to be some pretty awkward dates in college. (laughs) That's right. They're bad enough, right? And so thinking about like allowing someone to experience their own maturity and safety in that process and some of the conversations about how they stay safe without – you know, making them afraid.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And to find that you could actually be bringing more harm Mm -hmm. when you think yourself are, are bringing good Mm -hmm. and and protection. Yeah. Yeah. Those are good things to, I think, keep in mind. Yeah. That's that's for all of us, um, but especially, you know, just wanting to cultivate that relationship between a survivor and, a potential support person that just doesn't know better. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because that is so often brought up in our groups of like, wow, I, I never really realized that this person like really did. It really did hurt me in the Mm -hmm. way that they've responded or didn't respond. And, you know, we just want to be able to be in good relationship and have all the support we can. And I think, you know, other people need trained on that too. Mm -hmm. And yeah. we all need to be getting our work done. We right. all need to be in therapy. That's right. <laughs> I always wish that
2: we were all just assigned a therapist at birth. So it wasn't like,
1: <laughs> should I go? Like,
2: mm-hmm. yes. go. Right. if you're asking that question. Yes. <laughs> exactly. This, yeah. this is so true. Yeah.
0: stamped yeah. yeah. on your birth certificate. Like here are some resources. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's some resources. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to add, and again, sometimes I wonder what's related to my abuse and stems out of that and what's not. I wasn't aware that I told until I was way older. So Mm -hmm. I feel like I have a really muddy, weird situation. But after my parents' divorce, I was responsible emotionally for one of my parents. And I remember as you're talking about how our parents set the tone of how we go out into the world I was in college and I was still coming home on some weekends to nurture and be there for this parent, which I'm 40 now. And I still will have the thought of, Ooh, don't share that. Or don't send that picture because of offending or making this parent jealous, Mm. What? I'm 40 and still dealing with that. Mm, So again, I just think it's this muddy situation of not the correct response. And then all of a sudden I'm emotionally responsible at the age of nine. And so this is even outside of the abuse. It's boy, how much our parents can mm-hmm. make or break us, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. I keep thinking about this. Um, So there's a resource I'm going to share. Um, There's several videos on YouTube that are called the seven C's like the letter C mm-hmm. of resiliency. And Um, you know, for a long time, I just kind of understood resiliency as the ability to bounce back, but there are seven components of resiliency. I'm only going to nerd out on one of them for right now. (laughs) Um, And if you, if you're listening and you have time later on, it might be worth a watch. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the the C's that I think is really important, especially for um, sexual abuse survivors is the idea of control. The most resilient people in the world have a sense of what is within their control and what is not mm-hmm. and when you think about like I need to manage myself so that my support person or my parent is able to manage their lives I, I am way out of what I have control over mm-hmm. so thinking about like managing some of that um and and looking at like I can go to therapy, I can have friends who support me, you know, whatever those things might be. I cannot do anything about how other people respond to me. I cannot do anything if their trauma is triggered. That is their responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, And we've talked a lot, I think, in in Unleash about yeah. responsibility. Oh, and Yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. a big one that comes up, I think. It is. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point. And it's something like, it's not even related to trauma always, like the resiliency of that. Like, you know, one of my children is highly sensitive, Mm -hmm. very, you know, empathetic, the deep feeler. And the other day we were driving to school and something got brought up about someone who was murdered. And I'm just about to drop off. And one of the kids I pick up is bringing this up and I'm like, oh dear. And so my kid, the deep feeler is like, you know, I have a really hard time hearing these kinds of things because I don't know where to put it because Mm. I don't know how to fix it because I can't fix it. And I'm like, just about to shove him out the door. And I'm like, I don't want him carrying this feeling into school all day, you know? And I loved it that he was able to voice that, but the idea of the sea of resiliency of control. And so I just quickly was like, you know, buddy, what can you control at school today? (laughs) You know, you can't control this person that you've never met and their murder or saving all the other people that Mm -hmm. are like that person. But, you know, what is it that you can control in your day? Mm -hmm. And he just smiled and he was like, good point and then ran off and I was like oh but it is important because the world is really hard Mm -hmm. and so much is out of our control and Mm -hmm. people in our lives are out of our control Mm -hmm. you know as much as we'd like to think that we can control them but yeah um, I think that's a really good reminder of a way to bring it back down to Mm -hmm. our level of like what in this moment mm-hmm. can i control and can i not and what is going to be helpful or harmful to me to try to reach out of my circle of control
2: yeah and i love that you even bring up like being in the moment right like he's getting out of the car and you're saying hold on a minute what can you can you control right mm-hmm. now or today and even when our circumstances look wildly overwhelming that we've disclosed that we're going through all of this stuff and and all of this healing. Sometimes I just can go take a quick walk, and and that's as much control as I need to just in this moment. Mm-hmm. Like rather than let my thoughts go wild or or mm-hmm. my my emotions overwhelm me, and it's okay if they do. But it's also okay to say I have these ten minutes that I can go take care of myself. Mm-hmm. Um. So when big things feel out of control, how do we kind of ground ourselves back in in the moment
1: yeah 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 even to take a moment before we reply to a text that Mm -hmm.
0: comes in and ruins our day yeah how many of us should
2: have taken a moment before we texted back
0: (laughs) yeah I I think about that Glennon Doyle podcast recently with Melissa McCarthy uh the actress and she said the whole concept of like I gotta run around the block I gotta run around the block before I do x y or z which Mandy you just you know the evidence that that is so important and crucial and can shift the whole perspective on so many things.
1: Yeah. And I also love that too. And if anyone's listening and is interested to listen to the, we can do hard things podcast um, where Melissa McCarthy is the guest where she does, she talks about running around the block before jumping in because she's a fixer and she wants that she sees a problem and she's going to just jump into action. And so many of us do that. Um, but I also loved the part where she shared about her people are people that really know her her support mm. people and she said so a lot of times I'll be telling them the story about the situation where this you know person clearly needed me to rescue them and that my people that know me well enough will say did you run around the block first <laughs> and she'll be like no no I I didn't run around the block that time yeah and it's okay and it's like it's a reminder that you know people, are cheering for me to find my peace and to find my resilience, but I'm not there yet. But, but then the times that I did it, she's like, I will immediately call him and let them know, Hey, just so you know, um, there was a situation and I did, I ran around the block. I ran around the block first before I jumped in and, yeah. and it was a really good decision for me. Yeah, <laughs> And I just love that of like the, you know, the people in our lives that can know us to a point where they want our best and they also are people that we can report back to. <laughs> yeah. I, and I, you know, kind of going along with that, um,
2: teach the people in your life, the questions to ask you, like when you're getting squirrely, we all get squirrely yeah. sometimes. Yeah, Like it's okay that we ask our friends, you know um, I used to have a spiritual director who when I was squirrely. Oh man, she's great. She would be like, have you done any art lately? Like, <laughs> and I love her so much, and I'm like, oh, that's what it is, and it was true every time. Yeah. Like, so when people learn the thing that that helps us come back to ourselves, mm-hmm. we need people to remind us as we're kind of you mm-hmm. know spiraling or whatever. Um. Yeah. Right. So teach the people what to ask. Yeah. <laughs>
0: that's that great. Us. Have yeah. you done any art lately? It's like yeah. Nicole would ask you, "When's the last time you had water?" <laughs>
1: are you hydrated (laughs) damn it you guys you're too good a friend get out of
0: here oh my
2: goodness yeah so even you know as you're listening thinking about what are what are the things that bring me back like who can I tell those things to Mm -hmm. yeah so for me it's going outside or or doing some art that is not gonna go on any wall it's just for my own sanity clearly
0: Mm yeah yeah
1: (laughs) yeah right you mean you don't have a room in your house, just, just an, a gallery, a <laughs> <Yeah>. the <laughs> Casos. Uh, right. No, no. But that is a good reminder of like, and especially when we are kind of going through those certain seasons of struggling with maybe a non-offending mm-hmm. loved one in our life mm-hmm. and, um, and working through that to not have shame over the fact that like there will be seasons where we have to do that. And maybe you have to set up boundaries with that person where you didn't have them before. And maybe you'll get back to a regular relationship with them. But in the meantime, you know, to be noticing, okay, Mm -hmm. what do I need here? There are people in my life who can meet certain needs for me. Mm-hmm. And I can also meet some needs myself by just noticing what I need, yes. voicing them to someone and letting them ask me the question, have you done this for yourself? Mm-hmm. I think, that's And I also
0: I- love the boundaries that sometimes you don't even have to verbalize to that person. If you know, the response is going to be shitty. It's like, I don't need to tell them. And right. you may have an aunt who stirs up some stuff in you and you know, you can only talk to her once a month. Like I can't do the weekly call we used to do once a month, once a quarter. And I don't need to tell her that, but I don't have to answer the phone when she calls. I don't have to respond to the voicemail right away. So I love that we have control over verbalizing or not verbalizing the boundary, depending on who the person is and if they're safe and can have a good response.
2: Yeah, that's a great point. I think too, it's a good time to point out that you know as hard as it is to share what you've been through with someone and work up the courage to say this is what's been going on or whatever i'm going to ask you to to do that a few times over with different people because it is not realistic to expect mm-hmm. that one person can hold and hear our story and respond and give us everything that we need.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: This is I it doesn't matter how introverted you are, how scared you might feel to do it. It is scary. Yeah. But it is unrealistic mm-hmm. for us to expect that one person can respond that way to us, no matter how close we are to them. Yeah. And and we need different perspectives and we need kind of a rotation of people, mm-hmm. not a huge crowd, yeah, but like enough people to Be able to respond to us so that we get
1: our needs met. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not putting all your eggs in one basket. You know, I've seen that modeled in Unleash where Mm -hmm. have you noticed how a lot of, especially the female survivors will come in and it's like all praise and glory to my spouse. (laughs) And then by the end of it, it's like, well, we're really having a hard time in our marriage. And I'm so grateful for you ladies, because I've really been able to come in and be real, take the masks off and talk about the things. And there's Mm -hmm. so much healing that can be done when you stop putting it all on one person and thinking that what they've given you is everything you need, because Mm -hmm. in the end, it's not, and we do need each other. And I think, especially the survivor community, we need other survivors. Yeah, yeah so i always give the um metaphor
2: when i'm talking with people that if we think about like a trapeze act or something and the safety net that's underneath mm-hmm. we i think most survivors come in with this raggedy safety net of like three people mm. who knows a little bit of th- things or whatever um and we want to have like a really tightly knitted safety net that, like, you're not going to fall through. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the more, it's, it doesn't, again, we're not holding a school assembly to tell everyone what happened, but the more people who have some idea of what we're going through, of what we need, even if it's not all the details, like, the less likely we are to fall through when right. there are, there's a community of some kind uh-huh. to respond. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and all of our communities look a little bit different, right? So mm-hmm. is it, friends and people from church or work or, you know, whatever, but whatever that looks like for you, if you're thinking, I'm only going to tell one person, I want to challenge you to like broaden that so that you're more likely to have your needs met.
1: That's really good. And even maybe certain people feel best for certain parts of your story, Yeah, that's right. you know, maybe for some survivors, you know, you're struggling with, some sort of a coping that you know you want some help with, mm-hmm. and maybe you share that part with a certain friend. But mm-hmm. then the part you know about your your mom wound you're mm-hmm. you're going to talk to another friend about. So yeah. I think it's really good to know who kind of rises to the occasion with different parts of you and parts of your story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a really good. I like that visual. Of, mm-hmm. Of the net, you know, mm-hmm. it being strengthened because some, yeah. you know, some parts might be weak, and then you've got to kind of shoot to land on this other side of the net because right now that side feels a little weak, you yeah. know. Yeah. And searching for for different ways to land, yeah, yeah. and to land safely and um, to mm-hmm. feel cared for. That's really it's a really good picture.
2: I think too, as we think about the people we include in our safety net, um, there is a reason that people have chosen you to be a part of it. Mm. And so for some of us, that's like, Oh, that person's a really good listener or that person's available to me. That person's kind to me for some of us. It's like, actually they're really fun and I can go spend time with them and not talk about all this. And like, Mm -hmm. again, continuing to ask, how can I be present for you? Mm -hmm. And don't take for granted that it's all the serious talk all the time. That's right. You know, absolutely. Um, Some of it is just going out and, going for a walk or having ice cream and mm. or are watching something funny or whatever, yeah. like don't be alarmed that it has to be like an army of therapists mm-hmm. that are serious with you all. The time. Yeah. yeah. Like there's
1: no fun in life anymore. Right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think laughter is the best medicine mm-hmm. and you know, some of the best healing therapy mm-hmm. has come through people. I don't talk about my abuse. With, they know mm-hmm. about it, Sure, but it's like, <laughs> we're just going to be, absolute idiots tonight and that is actually really fun
2: (laughs) yeah because we need to still be ourselves in healing yes like we still need to have fun that's right I don't know if I've said it here um but like I talk about a lot having like if it's like a boat that we're rowing one side one oar is rowing and healing and the other is rowing and I'm living a good life. Mm -hmm. Otherwise it's out of balance and we're just spinning around in a circle. That's right. So like we still have
1: to have a good life while we heal. That's right. Yeah. 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 And I think the same is true. Sometimes we minimize our pain and don't want to look at it. So we're just like, life is good. (laughs) Meanwhile, we're just like creating like a, A what do they call it? A whirlpool. Yes. (laughs) It
2: has to be both.
1: Yes, yeah, it has to
2: be yeah. both. That's a great point. Yeah. Because what's all the healing for if you're
1: just really miserable?
2: Mm-hmm. Good point. None nice. of it is wasted.
1: Yeah, that's right. None of it is wasted. Yeah. Well, I think it would be good to sort of close with the fact that like the people that are walking with us are very important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And coming back to what does it look like? Because a lot of people listening maybe don't have abuse in their life, mm-hmm. and but they really care about those who do. Yeah. And they want to be better. And I think you all are the best people mm-hmm. out there and you're so important and to not take away from this that you're you've failed or anything like that. If you're not showing up or your person that you care about isn't sharing with you, sometimes just being in your presence, a safe presence where they know that they could share when they want to is one of the most healing spaces, Mm -hmm. um, that a survivor could find him or herself in. So continuing to just show up for that person, whether it be, you know, checking in, like you said, just, you know, how are things not about the abuse, but just about them and their day and their, you know, what's important to them right now, or, you know, for their children showing up for their kids. Sometimes that can mean more than just Mm -hmm. showing up for them. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, now and then when things seem hard or you're you're noticing something in that survivor's life that seems a little different or down, that is an opportunity for you to simply say, "Hey, you know, if you need to talk about anything, I want you to know that I'm here, and if you don't, I'm still here." Things mm-hmm. like that I think really matter for the long haul, and um and again coming back to what you said about the apology, if there has been something that is just nagging at you, especially as you're listening today, that's like, "Man, I wish I could have gone back and done that differently." you can and mm-hmm. it can be really simple and straightforward and again just laying out a welcome out of like, hey, like let's I want to do it differently. you tell me what you need. yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. That's good advice. And just being humble and like offering
2: that support without expectation.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah You're just here that's right. yeah. yeah and if the survivor never shares with you, it doesn't mean that you have done something wrong. That's right if they're still in your life, it means you're doing something, right. (laughs) You'll know if you've done something. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. So thank you to all that are walking with survivors Mm -hmm. please don't give up on us. And, um, to all the survivors out there who have had struggles with different people in your life that weren't abusive, but still have had lingering effects. Um, in your healing, know that it's okay to take seasons to really focus on those relationships because there's healing there. There's healing Mm -hmm. possible there. Mm -hmm. And it won't always be like that. um, But it's okay to talk about. It's okay to even say like, Oh, it's a both and world. And like, Mm -hmm. yes, this person is a wonderful person. And they've, they were there for me in this certain time when I really needed them. But also, gosh, there's something that just like, really, left a lasting impression and this mm-hmm. thing that they said or did or didn't do it just really kind mm-hmm. of hurt and it's okay to talk about that mm-hmm. and to give yourself space um in time and energy to doing that yeah that's right good word good word all right well these dogs are done they are snoring in the sun and <laughs> i think it's time for all of us to say goodbye <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time
0: Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe, write a review if you heard something you liked, even invite others to listen so we can be on this healing journey together. You can check us out on Facebook or go to IamOneVoice.org.